On front page with me this morning on the phone is Uraiwi AR, Assistant News Editor at Malay Mail Online. And uh, with me in the studio is Naila Huda, reporter from Astro Awani. Good morning, folks. Good morning. Hey, morning. All right, let's take a look at this first headline. After Rantau win, analysts hail moderate Tokma as a beacon of BN's promising future. After all, Dato Sri Muhammad Hassan's victory was based on popular support that cut across racial and generational lines. This is according to political analysts. Um, so, guys, do you feel that Tokmat could be the future of a moderate BN? Yes, but also we need to not forget that it's undeniable that he has an impressive understanding of ground sentiment and we cannot deny that he has a uh, impressive track record with the people of mm-hmm. Rantau and uh, an unchallenged record there for the past few elections. And so, in terms of his performance there in the last by-election, we definitely need to look to the past and not just take what has happened on the surface level and uh, look at how he has it's sort of been uh, years in the making mm-hmm. the, the record that he has with the people there Alright, your thoughts uh, Zurairi well, We cannot deny that in order to have a more uh, moderate bi-national you, have, you, you need a moderate UMNO as well because it is like the um, linchpin of the coalition right Because, uh, but it remains to be seen whether the end can actually be uh, moderate when its uh, model itself is basically a coalition of ethnic group based party so uh, can we have a uh, progressive politics but still uh, holding on to the same old race-based politics mm-hmm. uh, it remains to be seen but however uh, when it comes to Tomar right well when he first took the the post of uh, acting president from uh, Dr. Sri Yaman Zaid Hamidi he seemed to have signaled a move towards a more inclusive and progressive politics for Amno. he uh, back then he pushed for a politics that uh, is not just uh, for Malay it's not just for the benefit of Bumi but for the progress of each demographic of Malaysia. Uh, however, uh, as we have seen in the realities of uh, campaigning for the by-election, we have seen some un- very unfortunate remarks from him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, we still hold on to that hope that uh, Tokma and his faction uh, in AMNO, which presumably also includes now of shadow Finance Minister Kairi Jamaluddin yeah. to push, to still push for that moderate and progressive uh, outlook uh, in politics and not just fall uh, to the more uh, ethno-religious politics. Uh, but okay. we, 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 hope we, uh, we hope we can still see that. All right. From, well, from very, very question. quickly, are, are people losing trust in Pakatan Harpan or is, was it just a case of a bad selection for a candidate uh, in Rantau? When it, yeah, when it comes to Rantau, it, the, the seat is too much to lose. I mean, uh, there is no question that he would win it. He, he has won it for the past uh, few terms and he was also the former uh, Menteri Besar. I, 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 I think it's just his stronghold and it was only natural that uh, he and BN would win. Yeah, I think this is where you distinguish between personalistic politics and partisan politics. I don't think it says everything about Pakatan Harpan's performance there, but more so about how the people that have just connected with Tokmat over the long years that mm-hmm. he's built, uh, you know, his repertoire there. All right. When we come back on front page, we'll take a look at the new Menteri Basar of Johor that's up next here on Light. 
On front page with me this morning is Naila Huda, reporter from Astro Awani, and Zurairi AR, assistant news editor at Malay Mail Online. Let's take a look at the new Johor Menteri Besar. The guessing game is over. His name is Dr. Saruddin Jamal. The swearing-in ceremony uh, was yesterday, I believe it was. Yeah, that was his first day. The speculation is rife that the Bukit Kapong Assemblyman, who is also State Health, Environment and Agriculture Committee Chairman, is the perfect person for this role. But uh, I guess... All of us outside of Johor don't really quite know him. So who is Dr. Saruddin Jamal? Naila? Well, as you say, as you introduced him, uh, he was he's the Bukit Kapong Assemblyman, uh, also the chairman of the Health, Environment, Agriculture Committee. Um, and he recently got a lot of attention because he... Uh, took up the place of, the at the time, the MB, Dato mm-hmm. Osman Sapian, uh, during the Malaysia-Singapore uh, Leaders Retreat last week. And so he got a bit of attention. And then even before that, he made quite a presence during the Sungai Kim Kim pollution crisis. Yes. Obviously, it's his forte, seeing that he has a medical background. So I hear that he used to run a clinic. And so I think judging based on his performance during the Sungai Kim Kim incident, I guess you could say that he had the advantage of having the medical background. Mm-hmm. So he knew what he was talking about. He was giving daily updates. But at the same time, there were reportedly quite a lot of criticism against uh, how the medical services were provided at the time. And so right. it's hard to say, you know, how he has been performing thus right. far. Right. So Zurairi, do you think he'll be able to bridge the conversation between the government and the monarchy? <laughs> this, is, this is very hard question to answer because Johor Royal Family is famous for being uh, fickle. They might say one thing one day and then retract it the other day. Uh, even with now, the sort of like the public thief with uh, Prime Minister Dr. Madi. I mean, you can remember just a few months ago, this uh, time Johor was driving Dr. Madi to the airport in his mm-hmm. Proto Saga. So we, we thought back then, I mean, the relationship uh, was okay. the, the most cordial it could mm-hmm. have been. So, uh, however it is, because when the Johor Royal Family, the Sultan, I think, specifically was saying that the new Johor MB should not be subservient to Putrajaya. But the hidden meaning here is that JMB should also be a yes man to the uh, royal family, which should not be the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, he should be his own man, he should lead the state, but at the same time present the state's case against uh, the federal government's case. Uh, there should be a balance there. But at the same time, he's from the same party as uh, Dr. Mahdi, so there should be a good working relationship uh, between the two, between the federal and the state. I'm not sure where exactly uh, the uh, royal family comes into this question of administration because, uh, to be fair, uh, constitutionally, they do not have much say. But it is always important to have that good relationship with the uh, royal family. If anything, be happy with the fact that Dr. Sarudin uh, comes from uh, Bukit Kapong, which is under Pago. Mm-hmm. And historically, a lot of Menteri Besar, the, uh, good names that are being uh, spoken about, had come from the northern part of the uh, of Johor, Moa, mm-hmm. Pago. Mm-hmm. So, because uh, Moa is uh, also called Bandar Maharani, so it's mm-hmm. the royal town. So we are hoping whoever comes from uh, Moa, Pago, would really have a good relationship. All right. Wonderful. Now, when we come back, we'll take a look at the Malaysian bar reminding Pakatan of pledge to abolish, not amend the NSC Act. Uh, All that and more next on Light. 
On front page with me this morning is Rari A.R., Assistant News Editor at Malay Mail Online, and Naila Huda, reporter from Astro Awani. Now, the Malaysian Bar has taken the Pakatan Harapan government task for its proposed amendments to the National Security Council Act recently, instead of abolishing it as it promised to do in its election manifesto. Its president, Abdul Fari Abdul Ghafur, said the Bar was deeply concerned about the tabling of the amendment bill in Parliament last week to further extend the government's expansive powers under a law that has all the hallmarks of authoritarianism. Tell us, um, remind us uh, exactly what the NSC Act is. So the National Security Council Act essentially was tabled in 2015 and then eventually put into place in 2016. And what it essentially does is it gives the executive special powers pertaining to threats to national security, namely to do with violent extremist threats. And some of the powers that is given to the executive is, for example, declaring a certain area as a security zone, uh, declaring whenever there is a a threat to national security. And it it was uh, one of the promises in Pakatan Harpan's manifesto was that they would abolish this act. And it's been criticised heavily, not just locally, but also internationally. Um, The European Parliament has even expressed uh, its disagreement and has called for it to be withdrawn. And what happened last week was that they had merely just amended some parts of it. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think only one part of it where it no longer allows the Prime Minister to declare a certain area as a security zone, as I said. And instead, it has merely just shifted that power to the Yang Dipertuan Agong. So that was merely what has been done and so the Malaysian bar has then expressed its uh, you know dissatisfaction its disappointment with uh, them not keeping their word and not to say retreat but you know basically just a surface level amendment to the yes. act yes um, your thoughts Zurairi well yeah I think what is important for all of us to remember about this act is that the immense power given uh, the moment a security area is declared so effectively, when the area is declared, the director of operations of that area can effectively declare a few, can control uh, roads, movement of people, mm-hmm. can arrest people, can search and seize houses, so they can take or seize vehicles, anything for its purposes, mm, can uh, demand for the use of any resource in, in, involved in the area. Yeah, that's a lot. It's a, it's, a, it's a really immense power to be given to someone in a specific air security area. And I guess it depending on how you feel about the Malay rulers it's basically just shifting the responsibility I guess mm-hmm. it, but the new amendments would put like an extra uh, layer of hands you know rather than right. just the Prime Minister it would be the council who would advise the Agong uh, whether to declare an area a security area or not but still I, I feel that it's too much power and uh, mm-hmm. rightly so like the Malaysian bias said should have just abolished uh, right. All right. When we come back on the front page, we'll take a look at this headline. Uh, Tun, uh, Dr. Mahathir Muhammad says foreigners will become the fourth force in Malaysia if locals continue to shun certain jobs. That's up next here on Light. On front page with me this morning is Naila Huda from Astro Awani and Zurairi AR from the Malay Mail. Tun Dr. Mahathir Muhammad says that uh, foreign workers will be a fourth force in the country if Malaysians continue to refuse jobs in sectors dominated by them. With 2 million Bangladeshis taking up jobs in Malaysia, they could soon be the fourth latest ethnic group after the Malays, Chinese and Indians here. He says when locals refuse to do the job, others will come. Way back during the British occupation, they brought in others from India and China because locals refuse to work in rubber estates and mines and he said history will repeat itself as locals
locals continue shunning labor-intensive jobs. Is it fair to say that history may repeat itself because Malaysians are shunning these jobs? What are your thoughts, Zurairi? Well, it is very on-brand for Dr. Madi to be xenophobic, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, it is all mentality showing itself. In fact, he has frequently made such xenophobic remarks even during campaigning before election and even now it seems he still feels that way and victory obviously hasn't uh, changed him <laughs> but let me, let me just make my point clear here is that uh, I've, I've written since 2017 about this it is my view that the future of Malaysia uh, will depend on these migrant workers on these refugees they for years they have basically built our country they were yeah. responsible in a lot of constructions in uh, uh, in helping us running our family so they are as much part of malaysia as citizens so i think in the future yeah i mean dr made in that sense uh, is not wrong i mean the the, the foreigners uh, may be part of our country but what is wrong with that i mean yeah. we have to look for a future where refugees and migrants will be yeah. part of our country and we have to accept that and uh, I guess it, it, it just uh, we just have to change our mindset when it comes to that. I agree exactly. Now, of course, you know, global migration, economic and employment migration contributes to any country. The fact that Bangladeshis may be the fourth largest ethnic group in the country, you know, he, he says this could be an issue, but an issue for whom? Your thoughts? Um I have to disagree with a lot of things that uh, Tun Mahathir said. Uh, even going back to how he said uh, local workers have refused jobs uh, during the British occupation, I think he may have forgotten one tiny part of the issue where it happened within the context of colonialism. And so any labor during that, that period of time would have had some form of bondage slavery and it was not, uh, or any other forms of employment. And... It's not fair to say that local workers refused to do the jobs back then, and I don't think it's fair to say the same today either. We, we need to look at why local workers refused to, look, to yeah, take up these jobs the in the low first place. wages. <laughs> these jobs in the first place are categorized as dirty, difficult, mm-hmm. dangerous, 3D. And we take that for granted and we say it so normally when these jobs are not even humane in the first place mm-hmm. and pay such ridiculous amounts of wages that we shouldn't have to, res- our local workers should not have to resort to, to be put in a situation so dire that they have to take up these, yeah. these inhumane jobs. And uh, not even for migrant workers themselves, I don't think that they should be in, in a position so dire that they have to risk their lives working in these dangerous mm-hmm. conditions and getting barely little pay. Yeah. Well, when we come back, we'll take a look at former Prime Minister Datuk Sri Najib Razak's court day updates. That's up next here on Front Page on Light. On front page with me this morning is Rairi A.R., assistant news editor at Malay Mail Online, and Naila Huda, reporter from Astro Awani. Unlike the first day of his trial, former Prime Minister Datuk Sri Najib Raza arrived yesterday at the Kuala Lumpur court complex without much fanfare and visible lack of supporters. He was there facing corruption charges involving 42 million of ringgit of SRC International's Sindrian Brat funds, uh, looking quite dapper. The, the, he was seen reading a couple of books, or rather, he had books that he'd brought along and I guess the question is not just what was he reading but I guess we want updates uh, they started to cross-examine yeah do you have any updates for us Zurairi? <laughs> uh, they were uh, basically two books by uh, this uh, neoconservative uh, publisher called uh, The Patriots which who uh, that also have 
uh, one website where it uh, regularly talks about sometimes history, but oftentimes slanted in a very pro-Malay, pro-nationalist, pro-Islam, pro-royalist uh, context. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you can see uh, the kind of reading that Najib likes. Uh, and recent fans of uh, the Patriots included uh, Zahir Amiri, Dato Ashraf Wajidi, even Papa Gomo, uh, and including Education Minister Basli, who also likes to read. So, well, yeah, you can make your own conclusion about that. Uh, so, anyway, if uh, you are expecting a very gripping courtroom drama from Najib Shrayal, I guess you could just forget it because I think in the first few hearings, it's going to be very dry. Uh, they just uh, today, yesterday, basically uh, trying to uh, check, uh, to confirm, uh, verify uh, the link between the M-Bank accounts uh, to Najib. What do you know, uh, Naila? Well, so far, what came out of it was that uh, his legal team, led by Tan Sri Muhammad uh, Shafi Abdullah, claims that there is not enough evidence still to pin him down and so he sort of just made a challenge to present any documents and present any evidence that they have uh, linking him to the charges where in this case um, it was 42 million ringgit uh, of funds from SRC and that was basically it as Jerry said there hasn't been much happening but uh, you know we see quite a strong defense team just in the case I guess it's still early days so mm-hmm. you know they're able to to, to to challenge them and in terms of the books um, I think it's just one of many of Najib's symbolic <laughs> moves to show his perhaps uh, retreat perhaps mm-hmm. to, to, to his uh, you know leanings towards right wing conservative Malay Muslim rhetoric with the fact that it's you know associated mm. with this particular publishing company and so you know it's just one of his many uh, symbolic movements that he's been doing uh, right. of the, in the last okay. few months yeah, and- and he's probably just trying to, you know, relate uh, with the with the Malay youth. I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, try to seem hip. I guess. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think yesterday the trial was urgent because basically there was a circus. That was probably the most exciting thing that happened yesterday. Basically, uh, the prosecution had their documents uh, not in order, so they had to photocopy everything <laughs> in ah. and basically the photocopy machine just could not cope and they could not finish before 5pm so they had to adjourn <laughs> it to today uh, that, was, that was a circus uh, for the prosecution but at the same time it also speaks of the genius of Najib's team that they could even make that as an excuse to you know delay the trial as mm-hmm. long as possible well uh, guys thanks so much for this morning's uh, discussion on front page um, with me of course Zurairi AR from Lay Mail and Naila Huda from Astro Awani. Thank you once again. Thank you. Yeah, always good to be here.